my spidey senses tingling. Meow. Lick it up. Lick it up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Lick it up for Slim, the host of the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 148. Welcome to the show. Gene Slimmons. Uh, that was low-hanging Paper fruit. Paperkeg.com. You know, this is a podcast. We talk about comic books. We do a book club. We all read it, and we all talk about that book. It's about to get scary on this episode. Dark. Real dark. Scott Snyder. You ever heard of him? He had a hand in this book. Severed. Welcome to the show. We also will read your letters to close out the episode. But first, we'll introduce the hosts of Paper Keg, the three remaining living hosts. Um, or undead, who knows. He's been called Gimp Master General for his prowess in the Gimp application for photoshopping. He's a father... He's an unpublished writer, very unpublished, never been published before. Who knows if it'll happen? Super underground, unpublished. Super unpublished. Jonesy Loves Beer, welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you so much for having me back to the show. That's it? uh, That's it. I'm not going to be mouthy tonight. I'm just going to give it to you fresh. Only took 148 episodes. (laughs) In honor of Scott Snyder himself. The maestro. Uh, Fave Phenom himself. He just uh, got some jewelry loot. Oh boy, I'm swimming in it, Slim. He I'm swimming in it. Bought himself some hardcover comics. I'm not sure if his wife is aware from jury duty money. Uh, he's a father. He's Twitter sensation. Can we just get it out of the way right now? Dale underscore A. Thank you. It's an honor to have you back on the show. If you take and lift up my Jim Lee Batman off the wall, you'll see a tunnel 500 yards of through smelling to a tunnel where I, the, my hardcovers sit on the other end. I'm, I'm sneaking them in through right through the right to the basement. Is it how is that how Chris Omni escaped in your basement? The uh, hardcover tunnel. It's uh. That's why I renamed it the Hardcover Tunnel. This is the Underground Railroad of Hardcover Comics. <laughs> right. And you've created it. You're siphoning through hardcovers to the other side to freedom. I mean, I'm just building this room, this empire of a room. It's, it's like Scrooge's money been down here with hardcovers. You jump and in wearing, you know, maybe some tidy whities You're just swimming in HCs. Oh, yes. Good for you. With your mm-hmm. little baby feet. Your doll feet. It's. I tell you how hard it is to find eight and a half wide shoes. <laughs> I'm all over the internet, and they got rock ports. Rock for you. Is that so what they that picture Clarks. was? You got you got yourself a new pair of shoes. Good for you. Really pleased about Thank this. You. He had Thank to steal them off of a Raggedy Andy doll. 
That's right. I thought he got it off of a Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> Big show they, tonight. Big show. I used Teddy's shoe to actually dig through the the earthen mounds behind my <laughs> cinder block basement wall. So Big Teddy show, shoe, small feet. We have, uh, we're two episodes away. <laughs> we're right around the corner from one of the biggest episodes we've ever done in this show's history. Oh, man. Episode 150. We've been teasing it strenuously. Mm. You know, we did, let's rewind the, sh- the show history a little bit. We did a rucka keg. First time ever we did a whole run of a book. They said oh. it couldn't be done. They did. And we told them to eat S and die. And we Jonesy did spoke it. up. Jonesy spoke up specifically about that. And he, and oh, he, we all know that that's Jonesy's catchphrase. Possibly there were some women that were around saying that, and he put them in their place because he's a he's a sexist pig. Don't forget, I hate the French and Australians too. By that logic, and mm-hmm. uh, then we did Akira, an entire show on the epic that was Akira. We had the drums playing. It was real. We kept yeah. it real. And now we're we're going back to the well. The impossible well. For episode one fifty. And you know what they're gonna say, Slim. You know what they What are, are they gonna, gonna say, say, Dale? Tell me, they, please. They're gonna say it can't be done. They're gonna say, What are these chubs up, these schlubs? I don't, I don't even know what they're doing. And we're gonna say, here, have a nice cup of shut the F up. And we're gonna do episode one fifty, the entire run of planetary ah oh, there it is it's Got chills it's out of the golden embargo i'm not going to edit the word planetary out of the show this time <laughs> this is real the first I, time in about who, 141 episodes you'll have you'll hear the word planetary i've been waiting for this moment this is huge all of my life this do, 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 do. Jonesy, have you started reading the epic that is Planetary again yet? I I have I have it in digital. You're HD no, omnibus. You're notorious for starting a book club at least a month in advance. I you know what? Otherwise, it wouldn't get done. Dale, but what do you I, think? Uh, Can you finish this book in time for episode one hundred and fifty Planetary? This will be an all book club episode. We're just going to start the show, and we're just going right into it. We're going to roll right into it. It's the only way we're going to be able to not run out of tape and still talk about the entire run of Planetary. This is huge, everyone. <clears throat> I mean, how many how many issues are we talking oh, here? Who knows? Nobody knows. I have many, many, many times gone back and, and read that digital omnibus. Omnibus. I'm not even sure if either of those pronunciations are correct, if I can be honest okay. with you. Can they be right in my heart, or do you want to stomp all over that too? There are twenty-seven issues, four trades. So we're gonna we're gonna break the show up into quarters. We're gonna do one volume, then we're gonna move mm-hmm. on. And God willing, if we're all still friends, halfway <laughs> through the show, we'll continue. <laughs> Who knows if it's right. gonna happen? It's it's been hit or miss before, especially with when when it comes to Warren Ellis. Yeah. Transmetropolitan comes to let's, mind. Let's not even get into that. Kind You're of, right. I, right. I, really, I shouldn't even compare the two. I shouldn't if, even. If I could live the rest of my days without having to think about Transmetropolitan oh <laughs> as a comic book, I will be pleased. If I were, if I were a Southern woman, I'd slap you across your face. If I was Dustin Hoffman dressing as a woman, I'd slap you across your face live on TV right now. 
Is that the world's reveal, first reveal Tootsie myself, reference? Reveal myself to be a man as I took my glasses and my wig off. <laughs> the small feet all make sense now. It all comes full circle. Uh, 150. I think we're doing a, another book for 149. I don't even know what it is. Who knows? Oh, Tale, Tale of Sand. Tale of Sand. There you go. That's it. You heard it here first. There is the lackluster announcement for Tale of Sand. The afterthought. <laughs> uh, but Planetary. Finally. We're excited. We're, we're chipping away bio. at the books that are on the Golden Embargo. Chipping away. Well, you know, Rucka Keg really started it all for us. Rucka Keg and Akira. I mean, we, we're we just sticking our necks out there. We're getting adventurous with our show format. Yeah. We're getting adventurous to say, you know what? Let's just let's just knuckle down Go and knuckle deep. read more than six issues of a book club. Let's read 27 issues. Let's read, you know... Yeah, 40, 40 odd issues. You know, we got some other book club episodes planned that we can't even talk about right now. That are going to blow your panties across the room and slap Jonesy in his pale face. Can't wait. The list is long and distinguished. Changing every day. But we're running out of time. We're running out of tape. Jonesy loves beer. You've got some kind of flammable substance in your hair (laughs) that I'm seriously worried about with that light hitting your face. The British call it petrol. Oh, my. Dapper uh, Dan. What did you read this week? Jonesy loves beer unpublished writer. You know, I want to talk about a dynamite publishing title, if I will. Uh, and that is Solar, the Man of the Atom. Uh, written by uh, our good friend Frank J. Barbieri. Joe Bennett on uh, art duties. Uh, Solar follows uh, a scientist who has somehow manifested the ability to change the science of the world around him. There's a uh, there's an opening shot of a bank robbery. Uh, Solar arrives on the scene uh, because of his connection to the like the uh, background math of the universe. He can change he's uh, change equations to make him almost uh, omnipotent. Like for instance, he can turn invisible. Uh, he turned uh, a uh, a hostage, uh, what do you call that? When you can you can pass through something like Kitty Pride, phase uh, fa- phased her out of reality, so the bullet passed through her. Uh, you know, he turned uh, a guy's gun into water because it's so easy to change the math of the carbon to make it from steel into water or whatever. And uh, it it comes off as very comic booky, uh, and then the twist happens. Uh, he loses all control over this ability and kind of has a uh, nuclear meltdown that destroys the building he's in and kills a lot of people. Nuclear. Nuclear. I, I, I saw Slim's reaction from the, the many me miles my tracks. away. I, even, I didn't even know what to do. Slim didn't even know what was happening, but he immediately took a screenshot of it. <laughs> just, his instincts kicked in at that point. You can't train that. You're, bo- you're born with you're that born instinct. With it. Takes over. <laughs> so um, his family is then called to help him. And he's estranged uh, from his daughter, but his daughter's the one person he trusts to help him if he's really in need. And the book turns into a mystery of not this is a superhero book, but how did her father get this way and what is the you know menace behind the scenes. It's pretty good. Dynamite, uh, Solar, Man of the Atom, check it out. 
I really wanted to check this book out before the show. I bought it, but I I had I didn't get a chance to read uh, well, it. Uh, luckily, I just spoiled every single plot point for you. <laughs> you don't need that's to okay. get it now, Jonesy. I don't mind uh, spo- spoilers. I mean, that's just you know you know our book jug motto. So you're going to get spoiled, yeah. but you got to enjoy the ride. Book jug mm. hashtag book jug. Never heard of it. Um, I just want to point out really quickly. Just kidding. Book jug is a great show that Dale runs about books. You should check it out. But Aaron Myers on Twitter just followed us, and I have to point out that his Twitter icon is one of the most adorable things I've ever seen. It looks like it's him and his wife dressed up as Han Solo and Leia, and they're back-to-back posing. It is... I just want to hug them very hard, both of them. They're big fans. They are. Aaron Um, Myers is a good guy, big friend of the show, new friend of the show. Miss Marvel. I have to. Go. Go, I have to go back into it. This book, this isn't hy- hyperbolic statements here, but this could be the most important comic book of the last ten years. What? That's not a hyperbolic. I, statement. I defy you to disagree with me, Dale underscore. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna. If I disagree with you, every comic book site on the internet will be posting articles about how I disagreed with you and Miss Marvel, and I'd be public enemy number one. <laughs> People need to stand up with me. They'd form an, a, a comic alliance. <laughs> They'd form a comic alliance and write articles and make me uh, the villain. Yeah. Well, that's easy to do. I mean, look at you. You're wearing that hoodie. You don't have your electric shawl on look tonight. At this, look at this villain chin. Miss <laughs> mm-hmm. Marvel, you know, there's a young uh, gal from Jersey City, if you're not aware, and she has been hit with the, the Terrigen Mist. This is that goofy stuff that are turning people into superheroes in the Marvel Universe. It's kind of like they're, it's like another mutant type deal. So this young gal, you know, she's this teenager that's just going through life in school. She doesn't have a lot of friends. She kind of has the hots for this boy. Her family doesn't get her. And she now has stumbled into this power where she can almost has this scrawlish power where she can change her form into whatever she wants she can enlarge her hands and all this stuff and she doesn't know what the heck it is and the first few issues are her are her getting used to this power issue two ended with her saving the lives of some drunk kids at her school and it hit the papers and but she did it looking like miss marvel the blonde miss marvel and she didn't even really mean to but she had this fantasy that she could become a superhero so that's what her powers manifested into and then in issue three, she's in school. She's been grounded because she was late coming home that night. and She didn't tell her parents. And then in issue three, her power just kind of starts up again. She has this huge hand. And then she kind of becomes like an Ant-Man scene where she gets really big and she just accidentally breaks the whole locker room in school. <laughs> and the gym teacher in the class come in and send her to detention. It's just this... I, uh, it's one of my favorite books out there. Period. So this is not... This is no longer hidden from people. Well, I mean, the the teacher walked in after she had finally reverted her uh, form, so everything okay. was destroyed when the teacher came in. And uh, she doesn't know what to do, and eventually she decides that she should do something super heroic, and she tries to break up a robbery at this boy's uh, quickie mart that he kind of works at. But it, everything is not as it seems, and it kind of backsfire on her. And it's just a, a, the art... The dude that does the art in this book is like nothing that would ever fit in a comic book right now that's like mainstream. And 
McKelvey does the covers for this book, which are great, but I really want this dude to do some covers because his style is like so wild and kind of anime-ish, but not really. It's just gorgeous stuff. I think it could be my favorite Marvel book next to She-Hulk. But I mean, I, I think I call this the most important book in the last 10 years because you can give, you'll be able to give this when it's a trade or gift it as a collection or whatever or tell people to go to the site to download it and they could become an instant comic fan if they've never read a comic book. Wow. Yeah, I, I believe, I, this is another book that I bought that I didn't read yet, but after we had our little, we hashed out our little discussion about issue two and how it was more like thinking of it as a scroll, like a scrawl type power, I was totally on board with it. I was completely sold with it, and the art and the colors, especially in uh, CMX HD. Oh, yeah. Good grief. I just, mm. I mean, it's it really is a special book. It's really worth checking out. I mean, Marvel Now, Ms. Marvel Now. I mean, right? you're living a life of omnibuses in HD that Gen Z is downloading, freewheeling it. I am just effing your servers up over there. I just pre-ordered the uh, hardcover just this second in my heart. The the Miss Marvel one that's on Amazon already? Good Lord. I may have been making it up to that's fit fine. the hardcover gonna, profile. I'm going to go with the flow and pretend that it's real. Keep rolling. Uh, Dale underscore A, your subtitle on Google Hangouts says, Knuckle Deep in HC. What did you read this week? I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to put it out there. I'm sure I talked. To, we talked about the first couple issues, Big Gap, and now this chapter closes. The Superior Spider-Man oh, series finale, my. issue 31, uh, plotted by Dan Slott. My boy Christos Gage did the actual scripting. Hmm? Yeah, that was the, the, the last two issue? issues. Yeah, you Wow, I didn't that? know that. But um, Christos Gage is amazing anyway, so you can't you can't really go wrong. Even though it's it it does look funny, but I'm assuming it's because they had to you know get Dan on bigger and better things. Uh, the the return of amazing proper. Hmm. So <clears throat> the end of issue thirty, the one right before this one, the pat- last couple pages, Otto hands the reins of Peter Parker's body back to Peter. He finally sees the arrogance of his ways and because of it somebody he loves is in grave danger miss anna maria marconi i think is her last name and this issue is an oversized issue of basically everything that otto has done to uh contradict everything in peter's life turn it upside down Peter is kind of dealing with this overarching goblin army as well as trying to deal with all these little minced up issues that, you know, he's back in his body and everybody knows this D-head Spider-Man for the past two years or so, or year, however long it's been. And uh, for, for it being... For it being the last issue, it was done... I really enjoyed it. it. I don't want to say it felt rushed, but it felt kind of rushed. But I don't know how else you deal with it unless you you did the uh, decompress of Peter getting 
his body back in like four four issues or something like that, which they probably they'll probably do a lot more in you know Amazing One, but is really really nice how he got his body back and he he got one over on Norman Osborn in the end, and you know there's a semi happy ending for Carly, even though she's got the creepiest side effect eyes on a woman I've ever seen. Dale underscore on Superior Spider-Man, really nice. That's not Sterling. <laughs> that is not as Sterling as I was uh, expecting. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's just I don't know. The you art is let it let it flow through you. The art is okay. Um, I mean, it's no and Jansen for what? on inks. That guy's great with Jansen on inks, but yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I hadn't noticed, but yeah, you're right. I'm looking at the title page now, and he's definitely. I hadn't. I I remember liking his art before, and maybe that's why because the pa- his first run on either Superior or Amazing Jansen mm-hmm. was his inker, mm-hmm. and he looked it looked really well. I think it was a Lizard story arc, maybe. Okay, I did read it, and my my takeaway at the end was, it really sucks to be a female in Peter Parker's life. Oh, also my takeaway. It really does. Mary Jane, eight pages were heartbreaking. Totally screwed. Uh, Carly, effed up goblin eyes, ruined. Marconi. That poor girl. She's done for. She might just jump off a bridge. Why? I mean, I I fully expected the comics internet to just be up in arms about how the females got treated in this book, mentally and emotionally, but... The comics my... internet would form a comic alliance <laughs> and write an article. I, that was my takeaway. I read it. I haven't been feeling the last few issues of Superior. I, I do feel it was rushed. I think you could have done another three issues on this wrap-up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe it would have been better, but I don't know. Because the emotion, when Otto admitted defeat, the emotion wasn't there. Because there was no time. Yeah, that, sort of. that felt like it came out of nowhere. And, and it was two pages. Yeah. That should have been a whole issue's worth or something. Right. And then the the Peter like comeback issue I felt was kind of out of nowhere. There I didn't feel like there was any kind of nuggets of hidden Peter might be coming back soon. Or like Peter was gone for like ten issues and then all of a sudden like ha, I've been here in the shadows waiting and or some <laughs> bull crap like that. I I yeah. didn't I didn't like that part. Yeah, and I think that's what I and mean, that's why I say it's a really nice issue. It it's just a snowball effect from two or three issues before and it just kinda this is how it ends. It's a nice ending. It's 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 cool that they got to do an ending of some sort, but yeah, that's that's as good as you're gonna get because of the way I think it was all I also I also felt like the with. like the Carly the mo- I wanted Carly to be the one that saves the day. I wanted Carly to be that linchpin that knew, the only person that knew, and that somehow it would come back to her being the one that reveals it or saves Peter. And that was totally not the case at all. She was turned into a mm-hmm. a C list villain out of nowhere, and then kind of saved, and just like none of what would have made this. An epic ending happened in my eyes. And I think... I'm I'm sorry, Jones. Do you think... Now, I I just wish it was... I wish we could know the truth. And maybe this is... Maybe they just poorly planned it the whole time. But 
either they didn't factor in the movie and they're realizing that they need a Peter Parker Spider-Man because of the movie that's out in in a week or this weekend or whatever. So maybe that's it. I don't know. But but they definitely planted the seeds for epicness in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Jonesy? Two things about Carly Cooper. One, uh, way to strip away all the credit and power she's been able to build up since her first appearance by making her just a a random goblin. I thought that really cheapened the character. And second, I was really pulling for them to get back together. A Peter Carly reunion. Oh, man. The best they, couple. They could uh, have best couple. if she was responsible for saving Peter. Somehow she devised yeah. a way to bring him back. What a moment that would have been for a relationship. Uh, maybe it would have been just a kiss. Maybe that's all it would have taken to get Peter back. And, I, can, and I can dream, can I, boys? I mean, the whole Goblin Army storyline, it could have been... It could have been as big as Spider Island, but yeah. it just wasn't. Didn't the didn't only come cool off that way at all? The coolest panels were when Goblin knows immediately that Peter Parker's back. Oh yeah, he's, that when was he the goes, It's that was you. Really, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Except the dignity of knowing I never carried a man purse. He immediately <laughs> knew, which was great. But I thought it was holy. Can't draw a Goblin for S and. Yeah. <laughs> I maybe it's because I hadn't kept up with a, like a lot of the nitty gritty in the story, but the reveal of who the goblin was didn't make sense to me. Was that mustachioed character a, a player over the the course of the storyline? I have no idea who he was. Was he somebody from Alchemax? No, it's supposed to be Norman Osborn. <laughs> no, I mean, well, yeah, it's supposed to be a dude who's been Norman Osborn the whole time. That's like I thought the reveal was going to be that this side character has been Norman the whole time, and then that side character, Norman, was the Goblin. But he mm. had said, like, that's how I read it. I was like, oh, I must have missed that that storyline entirely. Not just I'm Norman Osborn, but I have a different face. Like mm-hmm, that's right. how it came off to me. Yeah, yeah it's, I, uh, I think it just factors into the whole feeling of them not f- completely executing on, like maybe they had to change it in the end to to fit the, the finale of the Goblin Army in two pages. And we we'll need something know. fast. Yeah, we'll, we'll never change know, too. We'll, let's, yeah, exactly. We'll never know. Dan uh, Slott will never know. reveal that because the internet, whoever he tells, would just scamper away and getting it bleeding cool firmed, and it would be mm-hmm. all over the place. And then he'll just... He'll send out a litany of tweets. He'll send he'll send <laughs> aggressive subtweets to nobody. He'll he'll use that uh, tweet service when you tweet too long and it becomes a note and it just loads up this <laughs> web page that's a long yeah. tweet. Yeah, tweet longer. That's By the way, spoilers for Superior Spider Man. FYI, it's the journey. God, it's a bad journey. journey. Yeah, the journey. I'm ex- super excited for um, your boy on Amazing. Oh God! This is... And did you see that the what's his face is drawing that miniseries for Slot, um, the artist from Tale of Sand, and he did the the few issues of Wolverine the X Men. Oh yeah, he's yeah, doing that. Perez. I can't wait to see that art. That art I think is going to be gonna bonkers. Be sweet. I can't believe they haven't previewed any of it yet. Because his Wolverine the X Men stuff was different but amazing. It mm-hmm. was gorgeous. Um, two sentences or less. We're running out of tape. Mm. We got a lot of stuff to do on this show yet. Jonesy loves beer. Another book that you read, please. Monkey Brains, Copernicus Jones, issue number three. Uh, your favorite 
robot private eye uh, gets closer to his goals and has a each of a time doing it with a new friend. I don't know which one I want to do. I think I only do read two other books. Do them all, Slim. Those are that's more than two sentences already. <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs> uh, Batman thirty zero year book. The final chapter of zero year begins. Part ten. <laughs> Gotham has been overrun and is now the locale of the movie Legend. I am. (laughs) I can't believe it's been going on for this long. The Lumberjanes, number one. An all-girl camp... whose friends in one cabin adventure out in the middle of the night to come across fantastical adventure. Only to get reported on to the head of the camp who believes and suspects their story is very real. Great all ages book from the Boombox. <laughs> Severed. I tried. I tried. <laughs> uh, Jonesy has written fanfic about him. Scott Snyder and Scott Tuft and Attila Futaki. Scott and I meet on a corner one day. It's brisk, early February. We're both wearing long coats. Embroidered on the left breast is the word maestro, and I know he knows. Put this horror book together for Image Comics. Jonesy, what is Severed? Severed, first of all, before I give my uh, synopsis, thank you to Ramsden. He was the one who uh, gifted me this book, as I suggested last week. And uh, once again, I thank you for that. Uh, It came in handy, of course. (laughs) So Severed is about a young boy... Uh, in World War II era, who decides that he is going to go on the lam. He's going to make his way across the country uh, to meet up with his vagabond father. He discovers that he's been adopted and, you know, kind of been told a wonderful lie about where he's come from, but he decides that a upbringing of privilege is not for him. Uh, He's a gifted violin player. Uh, he takes his violin on the road with plans to meet up with his traveling musician father and live a life of uh, leisure and entertainment. So he runs away from home and uh, through a series of misadventures uh, runs across one of the worst human beings in existence, a professed cannibal who takes uh, disguises from the people he murders and takes uh, unseemly pleasure in using a pair of false teeth to rend the flesh from his victims. 
uh, the paths cross further when his young friend is murdered. He discovers his wallet that he gave to her, discovers his identity, and is now on the run from the most terrible human creature ever, horrifying person in existence, and ends up losing an arm. <laughs> Severed. Genzi, what were your thoughts on the antagonist of this story? Uh, wow, I, you know, it's one of those things where, this is how I view Severed in general. Uh, first of all, it, it should be noted, that it's, a, it's the maestro, so it's a fantastic work. Uh, but it's kind of like when you read a newspaper article about somebody who keeps like a murder house and you're like, how do these people exist? And it's that it's horrifying in the fact that it could happen and it has happened is the exact tension and feeling I got from reading Severed, which is just a, uh, you know, a tip of the hat to the talent of Scott Snyder that he can recreate that real life horror uh, in this story. I mean, there, it's the wartime. There's no ability to track anybody. Uh, how easily you can get away with stealing identities and just go somewhere new, and and local police would have no idea how to find you. And you know, to have this early serial killer target young people, and, and this is the most in, awful part: is he just to st- overhears the story while getting another victim and plays the role of this guy's father just to mentally torture the kid a little bit before he eats him. It's uh, it's one of the things like uh, the book we're reading for book, uh, book jugging, Cold Blood, where you don't understand how people can be so evil uh, for so little purpose. Uh, but a fantastic story uh, with one of the better twist horror endings that I've read or watched in a long time. <clears throat> yeah, the the maestro. He was one half. We should say he was one half You're right. of the writing it's, duo. Scott Tuft being the other half. They I mean they did it. I I just think about story aside, it's 1916. He he just lies to the cop. That stops him on the street. I mean, there's no, in 1916, there's no way to check your lying against any sort of electronic record keeping. Or there's no, there's probably, I don't even know if there's radios in a cop car at that point. There probably isn't. I can't imagine. I don't know. But it's frightening how he just takes over the life of this phonograph salesman, works for Victor RCA. And he's just on top of this kid from the very beginning. It is terrifying. I mean, what he does is terrifying. He each one of his victims, he tattoos a little symbol on his body uh, to to eat for in memoriam or to target. And he tattoos a violin on this on his body because this kid's a violin player. The uh, he tattoos a light bulb on him for the for the orphan. He just goes in. Five minutes later, he spins a story to the nun saying he works for GE and he needs an intern. Oh yeah, here you go. Genius. We got one intern. 
coming up, right in, waiting in the green room right now, sir. <laughs> in the green so, room. I'm so happy you work for GE. Here you go. Takes him to the murder to his murder house, hangs him up, and and proceeds to eat him. I mean, this. How about that splash page at the end of that issue where the they bring in the nun to identify the remains of what was left of that poor intern boy? That was <laughs> gruesome. And this is the second time I've actually read Severed, and reading it as a collection is way better than a monthly than when it, when it came out. Seeing like the journey all in one sit sit down. Mm-hmm. But man, that nun should have been put in prison. I hope she yes. was put in prison for her sins, my friend. Nobody care, but nobody cares about the orphan kids. That's so you know the nuns are willing to take care of the ones that they don't give away to cannibals. So they're put up on pedestals and praised for their work. How amazing was the hobo life in 1912? How prevalent was the hobo life that this kid thought it was going to be dreamy? Man, living as he a homeless ready. person was a dream profession in 1912. <laughs> they must have written about hobos in the Boy Scout magazine or something, and and just Boys talked life. it up. Boys <laughs> Life magazine, and they just talked about the hobo life. Like that's a career choice, and everybody's doing it. They hire these dirty, creepy Pinkerton cops to to <laughs> sit to sit inside of train cars because of hobos. Yeah, and if you don't pay up, the Pinkerton cops will hard R you. That was the Pinker <laughs> that was the Pinkerton cop, what right? Or was yeah. that another train of hobos? No, oh. that was the cop. That, that was, was the cop. cop that was gonna hard R. He's gonna get some fringe benefits. <laughs> on the clock, he's gonna hard R this kid while on the job. <laughs> I mean, everything is the I mean the art and the colors, it's all it's it's very the book might as well be one color because it's 1916. Everything is dirt in 1916. There's, I mean, the wind's blowing. <laughs> there's just dirt. dirt. If it's <laughs> honest to God, true. There's just they're in the dust bowl of America. I don't know where they're at, but it's just brown dirt. America is covered in brown dirt in 1916. So the buildings are just covered in it. New they're pole awful quote for severed. Their sweaty, disgusting clothes are just covered in dirt. I mean, but the artist nails it. It looks amazing. I mean, and there's there's obviously color in the book, but it all looks 1916 yeah, dirt. You're right, because the, the present day bookends of the story, there's like red and blue balloons and the sky yeah. is blue and people don't look like they've just been through, you know, the carpet bagger era, whatever that is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they Where don't have the, like, <laughs> like they're the, 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 they're the disgusting hobo clothes so like ring around the collars. And and the Victor RCA salesman and his disgusting travel clothes, it's all dirt, but it's gorgeous, like earth tones. It's it looks gorgeous, but it, I I felt dirty and sweaty looking at these poor people living in 1916. Yeah, I thought the the art was perfect for this book. And I if I if I had seen like this kind of artwork on a Marvel book or a DC book, it like wouldn't make any sense to me. But for this kind of period piece horror book, it was like a perfect fit. It was magic. How about the uh, Sam Samantha character? How tragic was was their relationship? I was absolutely distraught when it came to Sam's fate. You know, there's that awesome scene where they do kind of live the silver lining of the hobo life. And they're up on that girder. And they're kind of looking at the new frontier of America. 
and it's like the perfect moment for him to share his first kiss. Gorgeous, gorgeous and panel. A, yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even thought about that. You're right. <laughs> like, you're right. Sitting on the girders of, of building up St. Louis or wherever they are, Chicago. That's the new, that's new America. Nuevo Chicago. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's skyscrapers. That's the future. You're right. And they're, and they're looking out and they share their first kiss with dirt on their lips. I mean, there were, go ahead, James. <laughs> <laughs> it's like carnival. If you ever watched Carnival, that's it. That's, it's the same thing. <laughs> so when she, when she decides to change her lifestyle and give up her protection, as it were, uh, because Sam, the character, dresses as a boy and acts like a boy to protect herself from danger, which turns out to be pretty effing smart, uh, she decides that she wants to be the girl, and but she's got to go save... Uh, what's the main character's name? Uh, what's his face? Jack from himself. So she's going to go tattle on this uh, salesman because she knows he's evil. Well, yeah, you, so, should, uh, you should set the stage. They meet this salesman while they're traveling. Right. Uh, you know, traveling musician. And she's essentially hit her manager. So she gets a cut of all the pennies that they earn while he plays music. And then they meet this creepo, the one that it will haunt Jonesy's dreams forever. Oh, you know it. <laughs> and he's like, come on, hang out, have a beer at my place. And Jack's like, sure. And then Sam's the only one with half a brain. She's like, well, you know, what, what are you, what's your game? What are you up to? You want to kill us or something? And she has like a opinion of this guy that she doesn't trust him the whole time. But Jack is so ready and willing to accept a male figure in his life, I guess, that he just accepts blindly. And they eventually, she finds out that, or she, she, she gets the business card that he said that he worked for and calls the number, which I have a question about this in a second, and says, you know, that guy's been missing. You know, give me all the details you have. Let's meet at this place. So she thinks her fears are, you know, founded, and she goes to this place to talk about this this creepo, and the creepo was there waiting for her. And he essentially says that, you know, I'm going to eat you and yeah. in, in, a, in a scarier way. And there are, two, there are two scenes that are totally heartbreaking about the Sam character. It's when she's trying to escape this place with the dude, you know, assaulting her and about to eat her. And you can see her hand on the glass and you can see her eyes as he's like digging into her shoulders. And then the second part that's heartbreaking is earlier in the story, she says that she got a bullet in her head and due to some kind of, you know, whatever. So she's, and she has Jack kind of feel the, the, the dent in her skull where the bullet is. And the creepo later pulls that like bullet out and mentions how, difficult it was chewing through her brain because that bullet was there like uh, that is so deep deeply dark and disturbing and disturbing oh yeah i mean I'm he's so page. he's so peed off he's like i bet she left it in there just for me so when i bit into her <laughs> i would break a tooth or something it was and just the implication of he's holding there's no flashback scene or anything he's just holding the pellet of birdshot or whatever that's in her that's in his hand yeah. and you just know it's from her head it's, and it's and disturbing. I think like a lot of the fear that comes from this book is you know off panel stuff even the the corpse of the GE intern was masked in darkness like you couldn't see everything 
but that was the the a lot of the the darkness that you saw like the some stuff with sam happened kind of off screen like this is the kind of um rosemary's baby stuff a lot of the scary stuff happened off screen you have to use your imagination there wasn't just like you know he's not chomping down on brains for a splash page or whatever like you assume what happened and that's the kind of fear that you have in your head and that will haunt jonesy for the rest of his days i'll tell you what's gonna haunt me truly is that ending um the end of the book you're you're pretty sure he's bit it he's done and then uh <clears throat> he in the future uh jack is a, a father an armless father God. and uh he gets a letter in the mail and uh he runs out quickly he lives close to like an amusement area and um the letter is from the cannibal and you just see a panel of that same dead-eyed, fleshy grin that he's still been doing this all these years. So Jack used to have peace of mind that at least he was dead. But no, for the last 40 years, he's still been eating people and Jack has done nothing about I mean, it. I, I still think it was kind of left to the left to your imagination if he is still out there. And I think it was left to Jack's kind of uh, paranoia because the book ends with him just kind of the panel was amazing it ends with him just looking out into the beyond like ahead of him unsure of what's real and what's not but he get, he allegedly gets like the picture or the letter that should have burned up in the fire and then you can see a shadowy creepo in the crowd that might resemble that guy I kind of I think they did a good job of you know teasing you a little bit at least that but, was my take. I mean, the only... But what else could that letter... Where could that letter have come from? If not... I don't know. The creepy. And and the only thing that makes me think... I mean, it would have... It's a frightening enough story, but then the guy... The only other let on that you get that it still might be him, because he says he's been doing it for like hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. They vaguely said that this guy was not human and had been doing it for centuries. But I mean, He's, I think I it's, didn't it's catch that part. Yeah, we're, we're, it was I, like a one-off line that he was yelling, kind of as Jack was having his revenge, which I thought was a great uh, turnaround because Sam ended up having her brains eaten, but she was the reason why Jack survived in the end because she wrote that letter to his foster mother, and she came looking for him, which I thought was awesome. But when I first read this, I and even the second time I read it, when I saw the mother at the door, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But how about the scene, how about the torture scene with Jack where he heats up the blade and breaks uh, his arm and cuts uh, it off? My God, he breaks it clean so he, he there's no bone that he has to get through. He he just cocks his arm back in some chicken wing, so he can just he solders the the arm as soon as he cuts it off. I mean, they show it <laughs> to to a degree. They see bl- they you show blade and flesh and. And he's like, you better rest up because it's going to be a long night. And then he's taking the arm over to the stove so he can start cooking it in front of a hanging Jack who's hanging from his one and Meat a quarter hooks. arms. <laughs> yeah. What a- the first time I read it, I didn't get why. Um, what was the, what's the guy's name? Do you remember? Alan, was it Alan? Or he said his name was Alan? 
I think that was his false name. Jethro, he went by as well. But um, I didn't understand why Jethro led on both characters for so long. Why he kind of teased it out. Sick pleasure. Then upon reading the second time, I remember his story about the duck. And that in order to get the best taste out of the animal, um, the people from Mm -hmm. the Orient, he called them, would, you know give them total pleasure, have them live it up for as long as they could. They would massage the wings of the duck so that before death they were in the perfect condition and the perfect mood so that they would taste the best after they were eaten. And that's why he drug out both of them for so long, which, I mean, on the second read, I thought it was a stroke of genius, but so creepy. I mean, because it almost, in the middle there, it turns into this buddy... 1916 buddy story of them on the road and he's teaching them all the rules of the road i mean it turns he's like teaching him about life living and life. he saves his life like out of yeah. the back of that like speakeasy oh yeah i said that there was no violence but there's a blatant scalping that happens with that with that <laughs> <Yes. pimp. laughs> i mean and even the reaction of the pimp to getting scalped like his just physical reaction, just saying, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah, I, that's probably yeah. my reaction, having just been scalped and my brain being, you know, in plain view. Yeah, I mean, because you don't even, that doesn't even enter your mind as being a thing that would probably happen to you even though you're a D-bag. You might get beat up, you probably get shot, but you're, no one's, who's going to cut the top of your head off? Well, it's your lucky day, pal. What are you going <laughs> to, what's your reaction? reaction? I am shocked that this has not been optioned as a horror movie by somebody. Uh, yeah. Considering. I mean, even like a TV movie or something. I mean, if I haven't said it yet, I thought, I think Sever is tremendous. I thought it was probably one of Scott Snyder's best works. I think this happened right after he started doing Batman and Detective Comics, maybe. Yeah, I read the individual issues, and in the back of each one, he talks about how, um, like, the new 52 had just kicked off around issue three or four, so he's, like, thanking everybody for sticking it out. I think it might have been a little late, hmm. but uh, the, the communication in the back was cool because he just started uh, the new 52 stuff and all that, so it was, like, all kinds of buzz. I love the covers, too. I thought the covers are really cool. Yeah, they're 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 fantastic covers. Loved everything about it. I mean, the, the uh, it's definitely um, something to get. It's a hardcover get. I mean, I'm going to tout the hardcover there. To it's, it's like seventeen bucks or something for seven issue hardcover, oh, which is nice. pretty good. And the art, I mean, the art is gorgeous. And and Snyder and Tuft, they make it uh, they make it real nice. What was the um, in the collected edition, what was the like the uh, promotional or the the? There's some fact. sketches and stuff in the background, but and it all, the covers. It also, oh yeah, it also it, yeah, it has the covers without the trade dress. So all the stuff without the word severed and the the price and all that stuff, mm. and it did include the letters as well. Scott Snyder's like uh, post issue letters. Mm. Okay. Yeah, gorgeous. Uh, definitely recommend. It's a spooky story. It's not. It's flat out horror, which either there's just not a mark. You know, there's there's horror books out there, but for them to land on your radars is probably a rare thing. So this was a this was a, a nice treat from somebody pretty well known. We got your letters. 
I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. R.I.P. Mark. Letters at paperkeg.com. If you want to shoot us a letter, we might read it on the era. We've got a, a stable of mm. letters here. Man, so they, I've been watching my email. They've just been flowing in over this episode. It feels good. It feels real good. Uh, first one here from our uh, our new friend of the show, uh, Dirty Stew. And he says, uh, all right, guys. After hearing that Comixology was bought or partnered up with Amazon, I was happy. Not just because they, they hard, <laughs> the hard work of the staff of Comixology had paid off, but also that now other people that aren't into comics may see something on Amazon, which may lead them to start reading comics. Now, this happened a while back. I may have started reading comics even earlier. But I have a few thoughts in the matter and wanted to know what you guys think of them. NDA, NDA, NDA. Uh, now that Amazon and Comixology have a partnership, will this kill off other online comic book websites? Two, will this do the same for comic book stores? The same way that Amazon selling console games had an effect on game stores, the independents couldn't match Amazon's low prices and had to close. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I'm not the most qualified to answer this letter, but I can't see how Amazon could sell the same comic for lower than the title price. I don't see that happening like... Uh, if I'm going to pay three ninety nine at a comic book store, Amazon is certainly not going to sell it for three forty nine. I don't think they have that ability, but I I could be wrong. Yeah, and I mean uh, other online comic book websites. That right there, if he's talking about digital comics, I'm not so sure that there are many more to begin with. You know, you have uh, Images DRM free store, which is always a a plus if there's an earthquake or something like that. You can uh, just buy the image titles right from there. But other than that, I don't, uh, you know, Dark Horse has their store, but that's just for Dark Horse and Dynamite titles. So I'm, I'm not so, sh- I'm not sure where where we can answer that. I mean, other than Amazon has their Kindle versions of the comics too. So it'd be, I'll be curious to see what they do as far as that goes, if they do anything at all. Um, And will it do for the same for comic book stores? I don't know because even when Comixology lost, or uh, uh, not lost, when they debuted, comic store sales kind of either held steady or went up. And that was, um, that's been true, I think, since the beginning when all the speculation was that what will Comixology do to the comic book store? And um, I think it's, you know, just a boon in general. So until we start seeing any evidence that betrays that fact. I think comic sales are down overall the, since 2014, but, I, I mean, that just might be a uh, a whole industry thing. I don't know what, what it means for comic book stores. That's that's tough, like, economic talk that I don't even know if I can even get into without uh, just giving myself over to Jethro and letting me get my arm. Cause I don't even, <laughs> that's tough talk there, you know? But uh, thanks for the letter, Dirty Stew. He's from Scotland, hardcore. Uh, Dale, I'm just going to run to the next one here. Sure. Uh, What do you need me for? This one one is entitled The Maestro. Fellas, been a while, guys. I apologize for the lack of letters. Got a few things on my mind that I want to pick your brain on 
but I'll keep it to one for now. Marvel has given up the rights to several of their major properties and the casts they go with them. Seeing how successful the Marvel movie universe has been and how uneven the other adaptations have been, which property do you wish they had back the most? Maybe for a specific character, villain, story, etc. Looking at the chemistry and stone All right. story so far and the Marvel movie U, what would you want back the most? And what would you want to see done if they had it? To me, by bringing, by bringing in the cosmic stuff, I wish they had the Fantastic Four. Having Reed in the same room as the Avengers, uh, facing something of a galactic threat sounds great. Curious to hear your take. And Slim, if they got the rights, they'd have to dismiss previous incarnations, so no Jackman is Wolverine. If that's your pick, you need to recast. Episode 150 could, could be just days away. <laughs> Panooch. Great callback right there. Uh, I'm going to straight up go Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm, yeah, I concur. Me. Mm, I concur. Paper keg unanimous. Mm. If Marvel had Spider-Man, oh man, the crossovers. Could you imagine a Spider-Man cameo at the last act of the Avengers? Like the, you know, they're just those guys are just destroying buildings left to right, and you know, a rubble's about to fall on some Gwen Stacy looking girl, but all of a mm-hmm. sudden. Web comes out of nowhere and stops it, and then Spidey swings and gets her, and maybe just a you know a, a one minute ten second clip. Now Jones is fanficking right now. He's he's he's, he's pushed aside his Maestro <laughs> fanfic for Spider Man Marvel <laughs> Studios fanfic. Absolutely, and, I mean it has to be done. I love the X Men as much as the next guy, but if they if we had to choose Sophie's Choice movie properties, it has to be Spider Man. You know that they would do anything. That is their oh, golden yes. nugget character. And they've done very well with Avengers, but I have to think that Spider-Man is the one that they would just jay all over getting back. And and just to know, I mean, it's it makes me giddy, but because this is all speculation talk that never happens, but the the joy that you can get out of watching any of the Marvel movies, the absolute joy childlike feelings that you get, you just know the same magic would be applied to spider-man if not more so because of you know peter parker's the man it would just be incredible you know yeah, i do wonder if hugh jackman's back hurts from carrying an entire franchise <laughs> does this healing factor uh help him out with that john ham is wolverine <laughs> oh god there just you recast go. it right there done get oh, the next man. letter there dale yeah, next letter comes from a friend of the show. Oh, by the way, Panooch and our next letter writer, Don Garvey, they uh, do a show together now, Comic Tango. You can find that in the uh, iTunes and on Ekerif's, uh webpage. They talk about all the um, industry scuttlebutt comic. that you that you could overhear in a comic book store and stuff, that more the debatey kind of uh, deeper subjects. Thought dialogues. Full title, Comic Tango Issues Related to Comic Book Fans. We'll take the lead in Echo Riff production. Yeah, it was quick. There you so go. How did you, how'd you pull that up so fast? I memorized it. Uh, so, could it be that no one is talking about these Invincible shenanigans because Invincible is the 21st century equivalent of Savage Dragon at this point? Oh, Savage Invisible ca- Invincible cast? Jonesy, <laughs> Jonesy, get your troll goggles on. 
we had our Joni, <laughs> Joni drunk cast, and now our slim drunk cast. The question is, when is it Dale's turn? Who am I kidding? The guy is always drunk. Thanks for all the love and support, Don. So, it, so is Invincible still as popular as it once was? Jonesy just put on his solar shades, everybody. I can't even look at his face right now. <laughs> Jonesy looks like Brett the Hitman Hart, WrestleMania <laughs> 9. I, uh, that's a great, it, it, as much as his troll shenanigans were attempted, that, it probably is true. There's a modern day Invincible. I don't know what the, I have no idea what the sales are like for Invincible in print. Who knows? I mean, they're re- they're doing that reboot. Um, are they? Yeah. Well, I think no. Maybe not a reboot, but like, weren't they? What was the? Didn't they like pseudo trollish Invincible universe? Didn't they pseudo promote like New Direction? Robert Kirkman as writer as The Walking Dead as a press release, and like some people were like, "Whoa, Robert Kirkman writing this book called Invincible? I better read it." Because, like, nobody knew uh, that he was yeah. still writing it. And it was, like, a gag to kind of get people to read the book. <laughs> it, yeah, he, he's probably right. I mean, I, I've never kept up on it. But I do enjoy, of course, I only read, like, the first eight, eight to ten issues. So I don't know. But I ate those trades up like they were Cinnabons when I was yeah, buying those, those things. Those early trades are so good. I think I read, like, nine trades in a month from Invincible. <clears throat> Amazing. I mean, maybe if you don't like the first volume, you can just stick around. Stick around for volume two. That's what I'm saying. Savage stick Dragon for the, explanation. For one of the late. <laughs> yeah. It gets real good volume eight. You got to wait. You got to stick it the whole way. Stick it out. Or else you just don't get it and you're dumb. You just got to stick around. We got asked on for our Savage Dragon review. We did. I we mean, got told oh, yeah. how naive we were. Uh, we were called the Drizzling Asses after that review came out. Oh, yeah. We were... Uh, we were advised, much like Invincible, uh, Volume 8, you had to stick it out to. We were advised to stick out Savage Dragon to Volume 8. If you had the tenacity and the endurance to stick out Savage Dragon to Volume 8, then Heck, maybe you, you were on the good sense. The Otherwise, good s- you were an idiot. A <laughs> big, dumb idiot. Our next letter. <laughs> Thanks, uh, that, Don. Entitled- I, don't know, I don't know when I'll be drunk. I mean, uh, to see uh, Slim's dead drunk eyes last episode... On YouTube, from coming from his webcam HD, I mean they were shut. His yeah. eyes were shut, and alleged, he was speaking. Alleged, he was shut. rocking back and forth. It was I was getting motion sickness watching him. I would love. I don't know. I get I get drunk. I start getting drunk right now. You want? Is that a dare, Don Garvey? It was a Don dare. I'll start drinking right now. Jonesy, ahead, Jonesy. We all, know that, we all know that we have an email from uh, Dragonfro <laughs> that you are you have one yeah. hand in your pants and you want to read this email right now. Jonesy's, uh, next letter Jonesy's the from, best there is, the best there was, the, the best there ever would be. Uh, Sean Gregory Miller. Uh, is DC the only company with a house style anymore? Lately, Marvel has been hitting home runs left and right. Mm. Do you think that could be partly due to the fact that Marvel has a wide variety as far as artistic style goes? It seems like even their colors on their covers and interiors seem to pop a lot more than DC's books. Just an observation. Can't wait to hear what titles caused Dale to ruin another iPad <laughs> this week. Later, Sean Gregory Sean Gregory Miller. He's a uh, by by the way, he's a comic book creator. He does his own work called The Original. 
And uh, you can go to under an anchorcomics.com for that stuff. He uh, he's a he's a pretty good uh, fast friend of the show. Um, DC with a house style. I Garbage it's probably it's probably way applicable. It's like murder house style of 1916. Like everything's dirty <laughs> and they're full of dust. GE intern bodies hanging from the ceiling in the basement. Scott Snyder goes out and just rolls around the dirt. Batman's got dirty lips. <laughs> dirty dust bowl 1916 lips. Um, if they're taking any chances on any books, it's it's on the garbage book set. Uh, nobody reads Hulk and Dove, if that's still out. I don't know. <laughs> that hasn't been published for like <laughs> two and a half years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's um, that's very good observation. Jo- uh, Dale, what are your top five favorite DC books right now that you're reading? <laughs> top five. Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh-huh. One through five. <laughs> <laughs> One through five. That's the only DC book I'm reading. I do plan on picking up the new Grayson title because it's my son's name. And uh, and uh, I, I'd like to check out where that's going. But other than that, DC I just uh, ruined my iPad in a different way when I think about DC. Throw it up against a wall angrily like, uh, like uh, John Goodman as Roseanne's husband when he gets angry and he lashes out every once in a while. Very rare for him to do it, but he did it. Nobody what cares about Roseanne. Nobody cares first, about Roseanne. First, first Tootsie, now Roseanne. I mean, oh, some of the greatest, Kimberly. Some of the best televisions when Roseanne took away that kid from the Big Bang Theory from his abusive house. That was some of the, you can't top that kind of TV. Oh yeah. Whew. I remember Dan went to go beat up Jackie's boyfriend. Mm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That was heavy stuff. Real issues. All right, our next letter uh, from Dragonfro. Johnny Galecki, they call him. <laughs> Saw Winter Soldier this week. Damn, that is one hell of a movie. Loved every minute of it. Absolutely fantastic. Three favorite parts. Warning, spoilers ahead, kids. One, Sherbatsky to the rescue. Mm-hmm. Two, Stephen Strange. Three, Cap and his old gear. Marvel's ability to keep these not only good, but sometimes better than the ones before is amazing. Also, four movies based on Marvel properties will come out this year. Great time to be alive. Dragon Fro. Uh, P.S. Hashtag Go Rangers. My word, what sort of vitriol. He lives in Detroit. I don't, what? Doesn't he? Nobody knows. Nobody even knows what Dragon Fro really looks like. (laughs) He said he could be a woman for all we know. We, he's got Arnim some Zola. rando. He is the Ar- <laughs> he is Zola the of Zola. his podcast. Twitter. He tweets. <laughs> he lives in twitter.com. <laughs> what does dragon fro even mean? It's like a code word. Me saying that out loud just turned over all my computer electronics sentient and into his brain. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was one hell of a movie though. Let's be honest right now. Jonesy was jaying it to that score earlier. Some random music was playing in my headphones, and it turned out Jonesy had his feet up listening to the Cap 2 score. I love that score. I love Captain America 2. I would want to buy that movie at Corsage and take it to the Spring Formal, and then afterward maybe we have some Boone's Farm 
and just uh, spend the night together for the first time every time. I mean, to think about Captain America 2, the Winter Soldier, just, I mean, I just, I feel like I'm on a yacht in the middle of the, the ocean, Tampa Bay. Maybe there's some young ladies applying sunscreen as the waves tremble around them. It is Corona's knocked over, rolling off the dock into the bay. Sorry, maybe it's because there's one boat out there not minding the wake, the wake laws in effect. Unhappy guys, Bruce loading his revolver right now. <laughs> Putting some zinc oxide on his nose. <laughs> you got you to be mindful, Chelsea. Even thunder can't shield you from the UV rays. <laughs> Cancer causing UV rays. Terry Hulk Hogan eating a plate of pasta for instant carbs and energy. That's right. I really need your carbs. Close that with mm. Thunder in Paradise. Uh, oh, Slim, music. you're still here? We're sorry. What's up? <laughs> uh, big show next week. If you're still with us through Thunder in Paradise music, uh, Tale of Sand. We'll see everybody uh, next week. Bless you, Brew. Brew just sneezed. <laughs> Bless you. Can't wait till we get those royalty checks from uh, reigniting the popularity of Thunder of Paradise. They're probably going to sue us for using the music and not get royalty checks. They're probably going <laughs> to release the entire season out on DVD. It's what the people have been demanding since 1992. The letter-writing campaign has been a huge success. Yes, it has. Quite fruitful. Thanks to the interns and the volunteers. Got together at the community center to help stuff those envelopes. <laughs> and that's it. Huh? What a show. Hour and 12 minutes. That was pretty Ooh, good. That book I mean, club, I think, went longer than I expected. And and plus, I mean, we got five letters. That's that's pretty <laughs> staggering for paper. I mean, even for paper, could be, could be a record. They just kept rolling, and could be, it might be a record. Calling it right now. Saying. Can we get somebody on the wiki? 
Can we get a? Yep. Can we task okay. someone with the wiki, please? Can somebody just edit that wiki, please, first? And uh, can you first create it, edit it, and, and manage it for us? For was free? it Catcher on the verge of doing something like that for a while? I think Panooch also at some point he's maybe. Al- he's always on the verge of something. That Catcher. He's uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's a Canadian entrepreneur. He's wanted in uh, at least three of the, these United States on traffic <laughs> violations. So we'll never see him again for no, blowing off so. speeding tickets. <laughs> <sighs> I wonder That's what that okay. means. Draw the, drawing I wonder what that means for the next paper keg meetup. Uh, you know, if if such a thing were to happen, we're going to get one of those rolling robots with a TV screen, and he's going to FaceTime in, <laughs> and he'll just we roll should, around. We should start uh, subtitling our uh, hangouts. We'll call this one "Paper Keg Meetup Deported." <laughs> yeah, we should we should have another paper keg meetup. We should. Yeah, right around the corner. Right, only two or three months away. My my dream would be to, like, to just get like a private hall. Oh man, oh, man. Jonesy, don't Good you have Lord. any connections with a hall? I do. I can get a, I can get a hall very cheap. I can get a VFW hall what? like that. <laughs> and he just snapped his fingers, some, guys. Have them cook up some meatballs. Get some rolls. We can make. Listen, our own we can get a sandwiches. nice spread. I got a I got a young lady who does this kind of thing for me. Uh, great <laughs> food. Jersey. Uh, we can get a VFW hall, and we can oh, get man. two or three main courses and subsides, uh, plus some beers on draft. We can do it for for on the cheap, and Don't, the food's great. This sounds amazing. I'm sorry, right now. It's it's the same hall that uh we had our party after Jack got christened. See that VFW hall there? Did we you can say get that. you can get this food on the grape? Uh, or did I say the grape? Oh, you might have said grape. I thought I, thought I said it was, it was kind great. of VFW slang. <laughs> yeah, that's that's on the grape slang. on the cheap. That's po- it's slightly racist slang for cheap. It's <laughs> a VFW. You know it is over there. VFW. Not entirely shocking that Jenny is the one that brings this slightly racist slang into the show. Uh, you know what? You guys, Slim, don't pee him off, or he's going to take this offer back. The, the, I know this on the grape. We can invite the paper cake friends and their families to come oh out. My gosh, and families. Like with kids, what kind of party is that? <laughs> Father of the year. We need to go That's out like, with our maybe with our wives, and then just get lit up, Jonesy. Mm. You're right. Like yeah, I did at the last paper keg meetup. Oh man, that was a good meetup. Wasn't that a good meetup? That was a great meetup. <sighs> Dale passive aggressively standing in the corner so his wife wouldn't make him leave. <laughs> she's always running no. full. It's it's no. nine forty five and she's falling asleep on somebody's shoulder. I'm not having it. Remember so we had, she didn't my, even say She just looked at you and you're just like, "No, it's my party. No. Don't even look at me." We had a cake. I think it was Mark's birthday or something. Who? That was the that was the year before. Was it? Believe it or not. Yeah, I think yeah. it was the first year. Hmm. Mm-hmm. We had two. Blur. We've had two so far. I mean, they were some good times. If we make it a consecutive, a third paper keg meetup, what is it? Were they two consecutive years? Yeah, they were. Yep. What was the date on that? It was like mid July. Oh, both times my. they were both oh, in July. My, it's coming. Yeah, up. Uh, it's, coming so up. it's coming up. Finsta and Catcher. I'll get your old rooms ready whenever you're ready to come back. <laughs> you can hang out with your creepy Batman Begins Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> oh who's still in his original packaging, watching. <laughs> like the something from, every uh, move. Your something son's going to have a complex growing up with that thing. <laughs> it's like Mr. Marbles. 
<laughs> little Christian Bale from Toulouse's Trunk uh, and the Puppet Master series of movies <laughs> comes out and starts drilling into your forehead. Jeez. Little tiny Christian Bale. <laughs> Toulouse, that old, that old bastard. The, what was that movie? Was it Cat's Eye? Where the <laughs> troll is like runs on your chest and your mouth and steals your soul or whatever that thing does. Oh, Agreed. God. Sleep good over there, boys. Yeah. He's only right. in the garage under some boxes. He probably can't even get out. His leg's probably trapped. <laughs> well, they're still in that little plastic, single plastic wrap that tie him into That's the back all of the cardboard. Ploy. He so. puts those things back in at sure the end of the night. Does. Sure he does. <laughs> Please, God, don't say that. Meanwhile, I'm going to have so many nightmares that Meanwhile, Charles Lee Ray is trying to bust through and steal your... <laughs> play hide the soul with you. <laughs> <laughs>